Lord, we thank you that when we stand on your word, we're standing on solid ground. So, Lord, as we approach your word, we thank you that it never returns void, but that it accomplishes the purposes that it was set out for. And so, Lord, as we approach your word, would you rain down your comfort and your peace? Would you rain down your joy and your surrender, Lord, that is good even when it hurts, Lord? And would you rain down your wisdom and your goodness? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you all to have a seat. So we, um, as a church, we've been on a journey about growing up into full maturity with Christ. And I think we could be here for the rest of our lives. What does it look like to grow up into the fullness of Christ? Um, And so we have heard about gentleness. And we have heard about patience. And last week there was a a big service I heard. um, And I was ordained. I'm a reverend now. I don't know what to do with that. Um, The Lord is good. But we heard about... um, taking God's grace seriously and about walking into the calling and the purposes that each one has for us. And this morning we're talking about wisdom. And it occurred to me that as we've heard the variety of sharing this morning that we all stand in need of so much wisdom. Um, And so I'm trusting that the Lord has such good, good words for us this morning. So we're reading from Ephesians 4. Um, And I'm going to read verses 1 through 16, but pay special attention to verse 14. Um, That's page 1818 in your seat Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, So this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in the area of Ephesus. So we're reading the Apostle Paul's words. As a prisoner for the Lord... Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives. And he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
And then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceptive and deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Such good word. So um, the other day I was thinking I should probably get going on some Christmas baking. Anyone else? Okay. So um, my in-laws are coming this week, my mother-in-law, and so um, I've got to get rolling. (laughs) So I've got to get some treats in the freezer because that's how you can work ahead, right, the things that go in the freezer. Anyway, so the first thing that I did as I processed this is is I walked into my living room and I plugged my Christmas tree lights in. And I turned my fireplace on, and I got the Christmas cheer going. And then I plopped in my chair, and I whipped out my phone. And I typed, freezable Christmas cookies into Google. So there I am scrolling through recipes and looking for stars and reviews, right? You want the four-plus stars and the 100-plus reviews. These are the good cookies. You're welcome. It's bizarre if you think about it, right? Because I didn't go to my cupboard to look for what was in there. And I didn't look at the back of the flour bag or the chocolate chip bag. You know, there used to be recipes on there. I don't know if they're there anymore. I didn't pull out a cookbook and I didn't write my mom a letter and ask her to send me the family recipes. Though I do do that from time to time, Mom. Help me. Um, But this time I just Googled it. Because we live in an age of changing times where we have completely redone where we get our information. Nearly everything is available at your fingertips. Gone are the days of cookbooks and yellow pages. I got a phone book in my mailbox the other day, and I just recycled it. Like, it's a different world. Everything exists on your phone or on the TV or on your social media account or somewhere on the Internet. Wisdom, it seems, is now just one click away. Believe it or not, the city of Ephesus, though it existed many, many, many years ago, um, was actually a place where information was now more conveniently available and accessible than it had ever been before in the ancient world. Because Ephesus was a port city, that means it sits in the harbor where all the ships would come in for trading. So if you went to Ephesus during the time that Paul would write, the city would be full of open-air markets and with people from all over the world. You would see exotic foods and fabrics and pottery, wooden crafts, silks, wools, and handicrafts. Like, Can you smell it? This is an old-world market where people who had never ventured farther than a mile down the road could come and see what the world had to offer. Ephesus was a place where people came and they could see how the rest of the world ate, how they built things, what they wore, what they made, how they farmed, and even what they believed. 
See, Ephesus was the home of one of what we call the seven wonders of the world because the glorious temple of the goddess Diana was situated at a high hill in Ephesus. People who worshipped the goddess of Diana participated in a whole slew of immoral activity that's not even worth listing. People came from all over the world to hear about Diana and to partake in worshipping her and all that came with it. The city was a convergence of every religion known to man at that time. And if a person wanted to know about God or gods or what worship looked like for this one or how to gain favor with that one or what living for this one would look like, Ephesus was the place to go. Ephesus had the information and Ephesus had the wisdom. Sounds like a difficult place to be a Christian, doesn't it? To stand in the truth with all these swirling ideologies but it sounds a little bit like the world we live in. In a world where information is more accessible than it's ever been, we are constantly inundated with unsolicited advice. What recipes should I make for Christmas? Facebook, Instagram, those magazines at Meyer when you stand in line, they know. They'll tell me. What kinds of presents do I need to buy in order to make sure that my family's happy? All those ads with all those really happy kids, they know. What kind of relationships do I need to have? All I need to do is pay attention to the pictures of other people's relationships and the comments that go back and forth. They know. How should I vote? There's enough pop-up ads to make that decision for me. How should my house look? Who should I hire? How should I invest my money? What career path is going to get me success? How should I parent my kid? How do I love my spouse? Where should I live? What book should I read? What show is okay to watch? How should I spend my money? What hobbies should I have? What religion should I practice? What church should I attend and what should I believe? Google always has an answer. But is it the right answer? Ephesus was full of answers, and Paul was acutely aware that the answers found on the streets of Ephesus were not good enough for God's holy, set-apart people. I urge you, says Paul, to live a life that is worthy of this high calling that you have received from God. Do not forget Our God is higher than the heavens. He is sovereign and he is supreme. And you know what? He loves you. Diana doesn't love you. He loves you and he calls you sons and he calls you daughters. He died for your sins that he can literally reside in your spirit and fill the whole earth with himself through you. You're called higher. Now, earlier in Ephesians, Paul says that God's intent in sending Jesus, this is verbatim, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be named to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. God was going to use his people to fill the whole earth with himself and in turn the heavenly realms with his wisdom. You were made to change the world, says Paul. His purposes for you are eternal. 
Therefore, says Paul, do not be like your neighbors. Put on the character of Christ. Grow up into that maturity. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. And pursue unity and be at peace with one another and with God. But those are really hard things to be in unity and peace and joy. And so Paul has really helpful advice. He says, here's the deal, there's one body. There's one spirit, there's one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all of it. You don't have to be confused. There is one way. And the spirit of Christ that lives in you is the same spirit of Christ who lives in me, and it's the same head that's joined to God way up here. If we're seeking God's will, my spirit is not going to conflict with yours. It's not going to compete with yours. It is united with God over all. This is profound. We are inherently designed as God's people to be in unity with God himself and with one another. So says Paul, to that end he's given leaders. He's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip God's holy people to be ambassadors of God's kingdom on this earth. People who are committed to discerning the mind, will, and word of God that will equip the saints to embody, advance, and proclaim the kingdom. You're not an infant anymore, says Paul. You have sturdy feet under you and leaders to help you. You don't have to be tossed back and forth by waves of teaching like the people that you see floating around the city. Do not be deceived by the wisdom of this world. True wisdom can come only from God. True wisdom allows us to live into the hope to which he has called us. True wisdom wields the greatness of God's power according to his working and his great might. And then, says Paul, when we have this spirit of wisdom that he gives us, we will speak the truth in love. And we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. And the body will build itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends, this is such good news. This isn't God just saying, hey, do it my way because I said so. It's God saying, I have plans for you that are so good you can't even wrap your mind around them. I have joy for you. I have peace for you. I have exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. But the only way there is to have my mind. To walk in my wisdom. To have humility to follow my way. God's wisdom is always available. It's made clear within the bodies, body of believers who discern it in unity. And it's always wiser than any wisdom the world has to offer. And it gets even better. Those purposes about changing the whole world and the heavenlies, that's for us. That wisdom that produces unity, that's for us. That wisdom that supersedes all the wisdom of the world, it's for us. 
Now, when I was preparing for this sermon, I looked up quotes on wisdom, like what the world says about wisdom. It was terrifying Um, (laughs) and kind of interesting. Like, lots of people believe that wisdom means knowing when to be silent. And there's truth in that. But Paul talks about wisdom as being like a spirit of peace. Wisdom is not just stifling yourself. It's being so united with God's way that you don't even have to, like, cover or hide. Like, you're just, I'm steady. I'm not an infant. Wisdom um, of the world seems to come with age as well and experience. And honestly, I think experience tends to harden people if they're not walking with the Lord. So we can gain wisdom from time by asking the Lord for it as we walk through life. But wisdom is available to us at any age and at any season of life. It's a gift that we can ask for, no matter how old we are, just like King Solomon in the Old Testament. James 1.5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all, get this, without reproach, like it's just flowing, and it will be given to him. So we ask for wisdom. And wisdom is also found in the living word of God that you have in your hands. It's the revelation of God himself. It is the revelation of his wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fearing God. Wisdom recognizes just how profoundly supreme God is. Wisdom begins when we're willing to submit ourselves under God, under his word, and under his instruction. To that end, wisdom requires, and this is the hard part, humility. Wisdom requires teachability, and it requires submission. God's pretty clear that our ways are not up to par. Isaiah 55.8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. My ways are higher, and my thoughts are higher. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. This is everywhere. Proverbs 12, 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man seeks advice. Wisdom assumes, the wisdom of God assumes that we're working in right relationship with others to discern the will of God. So this is how this works. If my spirit has the Lord in it, the Holy Spirit's here, And the Holy Spirit's living in Vic's spirit. And if we're committed to unity in Christ, no matter what we're trying to decide, if we submit our wisdom to one another and submit it to the Lord, there is a way of unity. This is the truth. It might take time. We might have to work in ourselves as to why we've decided what we think is wise. There's many layers to it. But God has promised that we are in unity when we are seeking his wisdom. We're on a journey towards growing up in the maturity of Christ. And as I was researching for this sermon, it seems this is really the key. We don't know what gentleness or patience looks like if we don't have the mind of Christ. If we're not operating in wisdom, it all falls apart. And so I think this is God's invitation for each one of us this morning. I urge you, chosen, Beloved, favored ones, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Do not be deceived by the wisdom of this world and be careful 
not to assume that your thoughts are God's. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's a wise purchase. Just because it makes ends meet doesn't mean it's what you're supposed to do. Just because it's fun or it makes you happy doesn't mean it's wise. Just because it's what everyone else is saying or buying or doing, it doesn't mean it's wise. Just because it's easy or efficient, that doesn't make it wise. Just because it it comes with prestige, that doesn't mean it's wise. And just because there's nothing obviously wrong with it does not mean that it's God's wisdom. Wisdom is God's invitation to his best. His best. We sang this morning that all other ground is sinking sand. Our own wisdom is sinking sand. And so, if you're given wisdom, submit it. Share it. Let's use it to build up the body, as Paul says. If you're unsure of wisdom, seek the word. Seek other spirit-filled believers who have the gift of wisdom and discern together. And if you are given a word of wisdom, ask the Lord to help you to receive it with wisdom that's humble. And so as we close this morning, I want to invite us to a time of seeking the Lord's wisdom. I think we're in a lot of places. I think for some of us, we're realizing that we've, we've stood on our own wisdom and we're like... Lord, help. And so in this time, I want to invite you to surrender your own wisdom wherever he's bringing to mind and to ask him to give him your wisdom. If you're like Luke and Laurel in a place of God, we need your wisdom and we need it like yesterday. I want to invite you to use this time to ask the Lord to give him his wisdom in this season. So with that, let's go before the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you promised to give us wisdom with abandon, that you just give it. And so, Lord, wherever we're at, if we need to surrender our own wisdom and our own ways, Lord, would you make our hearts tender to your touch? Would you remind us of your goodness and the good plans and ways that you have for us? And Lord, if we just need your wisdom, Lord, would you pour it out in abundance this morning? If people are coming with specific questions, Of you, Lord, I pray that you would give specific answers from your wisdom this morning as we wait on you. Holy Spirit, come. Rain down.